What's up, Chicago Sky fans? Welcome back to another edition of the World Famous Skyhook Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Pennant, along with the founder, the, co- the originator, never duplicated, James K. And we've got a lot to talk about on the docket today. First and foremost, yesterday, Chicago Sky victory over the Phoenix Mercury, along with some theatrics, let's say, from Diana Taurasi in the second <laughs> quarter. Um, an interesting answer from Courtney Vandersloot about adjusting to playing with Emma here rather than overseas. The impact of the bench and the upcoming schedule. And, of course, do you agree with Kalia? But first, James, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. It's been a heck of a 36 hours, but I am really excited to dive into what happened last night and with the aces. And it's just a really, it's been a really interesting start to the season, Chris. I'm really pumped to just discuss it all with you. It's crazy. It's, it's been a month pretty much now. And the sky are eight games deep into the 36 game schedule. And I think we, and James Wade, as well as the majority of the team would say that they're not yet in their final form, which seems, I don't know if I would have imagined that at the beginning of the season, even knowing who and what and how they had to integrate things. But here we are, they're five and three, and they have not yet reached their pinnacle. Definitely. And we've already seen a different style of play from them over the last three games than we did at the start of the season, having Kalia Copper in the full just completely changes this dynamic for this team. So, yeah, I mean, there's only that's why I was saying it the last podcast, man. There's only so many takeaways we can get until the entire puzzle is put together. And we're kind of already seeing that now, especially, like I said, over the last three games. So, yeah, man, let's get into it. All right. First, last night's game against the Phoenix Mercury. Ended up not being the walkaway that I envisioned it was going to be when we last met. And I think not the walkaway that the Sky really could have used going into another tough set of games. But they came away with the victory on a brilliant fourth quarter and final play from Courtney Vandersloot. Uh, 73-70 win. It was, a, it was a game where Candace was off. But the bench, as they have been doing, if there's one thing that has been consistent, It has been the bench, and they picked up very well. Rebecca Gardner leading the bench, scoring with 10 points. Uh, Dana Evans had a flurry in the third quarter after going scoreless in the first half. And Lee Uri and Ruthie Hebert contributed as well. But it was Courtney Vandersloot, 18 and six assists with a steal. And as we said, that game-sealing block when Skylar Diggins-Smith was driving for a chance to take the lead. What an incredible play from Sloot. And she's just been doing this all season in the fourth quarter, man. Like, I feel like she has bailed out the sky multiple times now where they can't get clicking. And James Wade mentioned before the game about the sky needing a sense of urgency. And we just haven't seen it as much in like the second or third quarters. I think that's been kind of consistent for the sky. And it all comes back down to the fourth quarter and Courtney, who I believe had going into the day or going into yesterday night, had the second most clutch points in the league. And you just shouldn't have to rely on Courtney that way. And it's great having one of the greatest point guards of all time on your roster. So in the moments that you do need her to do that, she can do it. You just don't want it to become a pattern. <laughs> no, most definitely. And, and you astutely pointed that out uh, yesterday, second most in the league behind Kelsey Mitchell, 21 clutch points uh, so far before yesterday's game. And she had 12 on five of nine shooting in the fourth quarter. 
Uh, be that as it may, like we said, she had an interesting quote about some of the offensive struggles that the Sky have had this season, just kind of getting in sync, and specifically about bringing Emma Miesman into the fold, whom she and Ali have played with before in Russia, and the differences between playing there and playing here. So let's listen to that. Um, you know, it's, it's a different style of basketball. I think the biggest thing, um, you know, we obviously, she's European and she, and we play in Europe together. And it's just different. Um, you know, I think that we kind of underestimated that going into the season. It's just how, you know, coverages are different. Athleticism are different. Um, you know, they're switching a lot with us and overseas they don't switch, you know. And so it's finding that rhythm, finding ways to attack, uh, you know, it's just a different style of game. And so we have to adjust. Um, but, yeah, it's taking us a little bit of time. And, um, you know, I think I'm willing to bet on us that we'll figure it out because she's one of the best players in the world. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get this thing right for sure. So I think that was fascinating from Courtney just because I asked Emma a couple weeks ago just about, hey, how has it been just adjusting to playing with Courtney and Allie on this team as opposed to playing in Europe? And even she said, like, look, it is just different. This is a new system for me. And – this was something that I even underestimated. Like Courtney just said in the clip that she underestimated how, or the whole team underestimated how all the pieces would fit together. And I kind of feel the same way, even though Emma has looked good in certain lineups and I think really is a defensive player of the year candidate, man. She, what she does on that end of the floor is just enormous for this guy. And we've already seen her be the best player in certain matchups, even though the stat sheet might not indicate it. I feel like if we had much more advanced stats when it came to like deflections and, yeah. you know, that's where the, the league is really lacking in a lot of areas, but that one especially. So, yeah, I think that it was really interesting to hear Courtney be candid about it, but like, I think that's pretty great also at the same time, just because you recognize the problem and now you're going to try to solve it and, for her to be calm like that, like she wasn't that like at the end of the game, like I think it's a good sign, you know, like we were talking about last week, tension is good. And whether that's between teammates or whether it's just struggling early on in the season, it's like, this is how you get things going is just recognizing the problem and finding a solution for it. It's interesting. Uh, just looking back at her career uh, advanced stats, her defense is, is not necessarily been a calling card, but this is her best defensive rating uh, per 100 possessions since her third year in the league. On the other side, her offensive rating is the lowest it's been. Well, it was low uh, in 2020 when uh, things were going down in, in Bradenton, but it's the lowest it's been since 2017. So that speaks to that quote. And it's also to your assertion. And it's pretty plain uh, I, we, we didn't talk about Azrae Stevens being out yesterday, but when she and Emma are on the floor together, the sky ha can do a lot of things. They can, they can make mistakes at the perimeter because Emma and Z are by the post or, or able to come back and help clean things up. It's just a matter of, it's less confidence, I would think, but just finding Emma in places where she's, good taking the open shot. We were seeing it more and more uh, as time goes on, but there were a few times last night where I, and I think the security guards behind us were like imploring her to take some open looks. <laughs> I feel like that this team has become so unselfish that it's now a problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like we see Kalia Copper, she only had 
10 attempts and Emma had eight attempts. I think Ali had seven. If I, I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me, but like we're seeing some of these players that had a calling card of just being super aggressive on the offensive end and Emma less. So, I mean, one thing, when I talked to coach T a couple months ago, he said that we always wanted Emma to be more aggressive. We had to like force her to do that. She's such a unselfish player by nature that can take away from her offensive capability sometimes. And you do want to see her more, be more aggressive, but I do think I, I, I do like the idea of the sky being more like, Hey, we're, we're trying to get everybody involved and make sure everyone is fed on the offensive end versus, you know, there's some teams out there that I won't name that have a hard time finding that shot diet. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it has been kind of crazy how some of these players are just passing up open shots to try to just keep the ball moving, which through James Wade, you kind of like, but at the same time, he kind of alluded to it last night as well, that like, no, we got to take some of those open shots. Yeah, it's the tough part because you have not only so many capable players throughout your roster, not just in the starting five, uh, whatever that is on a nightly basis, but throughout the roster, there are people who can create their own shot or when they get the ball in a certain situation can create their, you know, I'll just go back and say, create their own shot. I know people think of that as off the dribble, but if you get Candace or Emma, the ball in the post, they can go to work. If you get Dana or Ka the ball out of the top of the perimeter or Rebecca Gardner, they can get to the lane. Same with Courtney. Allie's really one of the only people who might have one or the other. And even she, when she goes to the post and gets a mismatch, she was able to draw contact, I think, against Sophie Cunningham a couple of times when she was the primary defender. So it, for the end of the season, it makes sense now, and it's a problem that you like to have because you can coach your team about, okay, now we have to be selfish, rather than at the end of the season, if somebody has been taking the majority of the shots or two or three people, then you're trying to spread the ball around when defenses can key in on that. Uh, but, it, yeah, it's – Sometimes it's it's the problem of having one ball when everybody wants to spread the ball around and then somebody's got to go and put the shot up. Absolutely. And, you know, Chris, I think we should talk a little bit about last night too, because obviously that like the, the sky being really unselfish with the ball, that, that was a, a really a thing that really stuck out to me at least live. And I'm sure it did to you with like as well, but what happened on like with Diana Taurasi, I mean, that was such a bizarre thing that happened. I mean, she got ejected, what, in like the second quarter? Is that right? Yeah, uh, was, I, I know there was differing, but I saw 351 on the clock in the second quarter. Okay. Well, it was really interesting because at the, the last stoppage of play that before she got ejected, she had a heated exchange with excuse me, the official who I think Diana, I'm not going to repeat the words that Diana say, said, <laughs> but she used um, one that started with the B and the official said, I could just read her lips. She said, don't fucking talk to me that way. And, um, you know, Diana clearly kept talking after play resumed and she was out the rest of the game. I thought it was kind of interesting how then the Phoenix Mercury started to climb back into that game after that, Diana Taurasi, I believe, finished with a minus 10 plus minus. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting and just seeing how that all went down. Obviously, you want Diana Taurasi out on the floor for you, but 
her plus minus st- stats haven't been fantastic this year, which again, you take it with a grain of salt. That's only one statistic, but what did you see on, I, I had, I didn't see like the exact play in which like, I saw Diana argue with the ref, but I didn't see the exact play that caused it. Um, so there was a, there was a play where Diana got the ball out the top and she got around her initial defender. It was either Courtney or Allie, I believe. And she ended up, uh, Candace ended up switched onto her. She drove into Candace's body, put up a shot that went short and got no call. And immediately after turned to the referee and let her have it. And so there was a quick technical there and she kept shouting at the referee. And the second one came within a matter of seconds. She got the warning. I kind of understand why the referee <laughs> um, wanted to get rid of Diane after I mean, she gave her the warning at the stoppage of play. And then she, after the, that first tech, it's like, you can't keep chirping if you want to stay in this game. And I kind of like that Diana, I mean, obviously you want to see Diana Taurasi play in any matchup. That's just better for the product and everything. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, she, you shouldn't be able to talk to the reps like that. And, you know, this is a cycle that we see. Diana has a couple of these in her every year. So it was cool that we got to see it live, I guess. Um, but a lot of locker room jokes, by the way, locker room door jokes that surfaced on Twitter that I found pretty amusing. Um, even one from uh, this podcast called The Skyhook. Um, but Chris, I'm curious. <laughs> this <one> um, what, what have you made of the bench so far this season with the sky? Because I didn't expect this level of production from them heading into training camp. I, I didn't either, because partially I didn't expect Azra Stevens to stay on the bench when Emma did come into the fold or when Ka did, sorry, when Ka came into the fold. Um, and it's still been great. It's, it's still been pretty great. We're finally seeing extended minutes for Ruthie. Um, and, you know, in certain situations, but she played 18 minutes last night and was very productive, six rebounds and four points, an assist and a steal. Um, I think she fed either either Rebecca fed her on a really nice wraparound pass from the top of the key or Ruthie put that pass down to Rebecca. Either way, it was some very cohesive play from those two players who don't necessarily see a lot of time on the floor together. Uh, so I've loved what the bench has done. They've consistently outscored or matched the, the reserve scoring of the teams that they played against. Uh, we, we know what Las Vegas is, but even so, 29 to nothing bench, a bench differential is pretty crazy, especially in the WNBA. And that's a game where Rebecca Gardner was in foul trouble, and she is the primary uh, slasher on the bench. I've, I've absolutely loved it. Dana Evans has not seen a shot necessarily that she is afraid of taking. <laughs> and, and I mean, she's not a gunslinger, but if she's out there beyond the three-point line and there's somebody who's a few feet off, she's willing to take that shot. And she's one of the better three-point shooters. She has the best percentage of the team so far this season. She's shooting just a tick below 43% with, I think, the second most attempts on the squad. So you have... Somebody who can come off the bench, fill that alley role of being the sharpshooter in a time where Allie's not shooting it as sharp and can also get to the rim when the point, when the time is needed. She's not afraid of defensive challenges. She is confident that she can get around just about anybody and get to the free throw line. Same with Rebecca Gardner, who is just a safety valve and a 
I, I don't, we need to have a reel of the tough shots that Rebecca Gardner's made this season because she makes at least one every game. Just some kind of ridiculous off-the-window shot that has no business going in. And then Leah Ree, give her some time this season, time next year to really strengthen up, just get stronger, and c- let the game ca- catch up to the speed of the game. Sky's bench is, is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Definitely. And they're currently second in the WNBA with 22.8 bench points per game. And they are shooting 37.2% from three, 47.1% from the field. I mean, this bench is so deep right now. And having Azra Stevens come off your bench, I just think is like the ultimate luxury. You know, we used to talk about that with having Diamond. And I think it's even more to extent this year with Azra, who's just consistent and She's just looked so much more aggressive. I wrote about this for the next. She is taking, I think she took 53 spot up attempts last season and she's already up to like 31 this year, which I think is just fascinating, honestly. And, you know, she's not shooting at a high clip right now, but it's not like the ball, like it's not like her shot looks off either. It's just might be some early struggles in the same way that Allie Quigley is trying to find her rhythm. You know, James Wade said that last night and, it's been crazy that the most important players on the sky, like in the last couple of games have been like Rebecca Gardner. And, you know, Rebecca is just someone that if she were to enter free agency right now, I mean, she would get a multi-year deal. She just looks like someone that it could be a WNBA mainstay over the next three years, which is just crazy to think about. And one thing I want to point out on the defensive end against the aces is that they switched Rebecca Gardner onto Kelsey Plum for a little bit. And she, the energy that just matching Kelsey Plum's energy, I just think was really interesting. And from a playoff preview perspective, like, okay, how are we going to rattle Kelsey Plum when she's going off like this and has looked like the best guard in the league so far this year? Putting Rebecca Gardner, I think, is maybe that potentially is going to be that solution. You're right. Kelsey Plum, I think, had one field goal in the second half of that game. That's part of the reason that the Sky were able to come back. They were down by double digits um, midway through the fourth quarter, and they were able to slow the game down. There were some there were some calls that went their way for sure. Uh, and Rebecca Gardner, like I said, she got into foul trouble um, late. James Wade mentioned that she should be getting more respect from the league, even though she's a rookie. Her game is at that level of a veteran player in the league. But just putting Rebecca Gardner on the Kelsey Plum, throwing a multitude of different defenders at her, but definitely having Rebecca Gardner be able to hold her own against Kelsey Plum uh, was able to turn that game towards the sky's favor and how they were able to make it so close. Probably, I think, one of the closest uh, wins that Las Vegas has had this season. Definitely. I mean, they lead the league in net rating right now. So, I mean, do you want? should we talk about the Aces and their – where they're at right now, I know that James Wade is just so thrilled that we're talking about them. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know that I've I've said, and I think before the season, I was a, a bearish just because the Aces have been the Aces every single season, but they have fulfilled their potential so far. The, the potential that everybody has been looking for them to fulfill for seasons now. And it's really not necessarily because of Asia Wilson or Kelsey Plum, who we've already mentioned, because Kelsey turned her career around in the bubble against Los Angeles. And Asia's been Asia since she stepped foot on a WNBA court. 
it's been Jackie Young, and it's been Jackie Young not just shooting from three, even though she's shooting 45% from three. She's taking all of these shots with supreme confidence. Uh, she's getting to the line nearly five times a game. Uh, the Aces have always been a team that likes to get to the free throw line, stop the game there, force you to foul them. But Jackie Young is getting to the line more often now where she didn't do so before. And that makes them just more of a threat. Uh, so, yeah, Jackie, I think she's led the team in scoring last night. I could be wrong against uh, Connecticut. And let's not make any mistakes. They wiped Connecticut. The Sun, the Sun had a, a three-point lead early, and they kept it close throughout most of the first quarter. But unlike the Sky, the Sun weren't really able to get back into the game, and they won in Connecticut, pretty much pulling away. Yeah, and it's even crazier with Kelsey Plum. Just to, I want to point something out. Like she didn't go to that bubble season. I think she actually, I think tore her Achilles before that season, and then. She came back in 2021, looked like, I mean, she won sixth woman of the year. And then now she could be a MVP candidate right now. And I think you're right, though. Jackie Young's development has been one of the most interesting storylines of this season. I thought that Jackie Young could improve, but I didn't think, based on what her shot looked like coming out of the draft, that it would look like this, where she's shooting at a high (laughs) clip, man. This is some, she's really showing people why she is. She was the number one overall pick. It's been really fascinating to see that part of the equation really work out for the Aces. And I still have questions, man. I still have questions about that bench against the Sky. They scored all 83 points. Like they, the, All that came from their starters. So I don't really know how that really translates as much. When we're talking, we're on game 10 for the Aces, and they've got 26 more to go. So, I mean, I guess it's not unfeasible that they would not be able to stay healthy enough for the next 26 games and go into the playoffs completely healthy. And they know they're going to get Raquana Williams back and everything. But at the same time, it's just, if you're working with a six, seven person rotation, the sky did it last year. So that they made it work in the playoffs, but I don't know if going through the regular season that having no insurance, literally no insurance behind you is the best way to, I guess we'll see how it worked. They're they're literally gambling with that one. And I guess it makes sense because they're Las Vegas. (laughs) I I agree with you. I don't know if it's necessarily sustainable. Uh, Players are relatively young. You know, Jackie Young's in what her fourth season, third season. Uh, Even Kelsey Plum is, is only 28. Uh, actually 27 still she turns 28 in august and asia's young Teresa plaisance is young i mean these are younger players you know uh sydney is this right sydney colson's the oldest player on the team mm-hmm. so when you have that kind of flexibility just the, the the elasticity of young legs you can get away with those things a lot more however i, I do agree with you to a point i don't know if it's necessarily sustainable because at some point you would figure with as good as your team is, they'll have an off night. And in a league as tight as the WNBA, when you you can have you can be confident, but this is a first year coach with a team that hasn't made the finals other than sorry the one time. You want to get that one seed. You want to get the top spot and make your road as easy as possible. Even though there's only there's no more single elimination game. So if you have slippage late in the season, 
that can cost you spots in the playoff seeding. So uh, getting Raquana Williams back is really going to do them wonders. But if you don't integrate some kind of offensive capability from, from your bench where you can get somebody who can also create their own shot, take pressure off of Jackie and Kelsey in Asia, things get a little bit more murky when you get into August, September. Hey, for the fan base, I mean, or for like just the WNBA fans in general, I kind of hope we see all those five come out healthy together in the playoffs. And they went into that game against the sky that those five players had the best net rating out of any five person group in the WNBA to that point. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they can really push through this regular season playing all their starters like 28 to 34 minutes a game and making it work. Kelsey Plum tweeted out that she wants to play, Chris. She I saw wants that. To play. Yeah. So <laughs> they're up for the challenge. And that's like the dog mentality that you have of just like, okay, we're just going to make it work. That's kind of fun for general fans of the league, but don't, you don't want to tell James Wade that man. I mean, like it's been really interesting. Like at the, it's now back-to-back press conferences where he's mentioned Vegas sarcastically, like uh, referring to them as the greatest defense of all time or the greatest team of all time, which the great Las Vegas aces, all hail Las Vegas. That's what he said on the way out of the, that press conference with the aces. So, yeah. I mean, I also kind of, you kind of have to like that from your coach too, just being like, we're, we will find motivation anywhere we can get it. Even like, Calling the nine and one Las Vegas Aces the best team in the league, I don't think is too outlandish by any means. But hey, if you that that that's what gets you going, like you got to find that urgency somewhere, right? So like, if you're challenging your players like that, just being like, hey, other people think there's a better team out there in the WNBA than us. Are you going to work for it? Like, I guess I can see it from that angle. But it's so funny, like when I when I asked him that question about like referring to the aces as one of the best teams. And he said, no, the best team, the best team, keep that narrative. I'm like, you do realize that in the podcast I did yesterday, I said, I don't think the aces are actually the best team in the league. And that if they were playing in a five game series, I'd be kind of worried about it, which they kind of proved me wrong a little bit already. But like, it was just so funny. It's like, wait, do you think I said that? Um, I thought that was kind of humorous, but Chris, what else do you want to talk about, man? I mean, is there anything from those last two games that stood out to you? Well, one thing that we've kind of forgotten about as the season has picked up steam is Julie Alleman. With mm-hmm. everything that's gone in the rotation and, and what we're looking at the team to develop, I, I don't know if we've talked about any specific news, but since Diamond was on the floor yesterday, she was part of that three-team trade that got Julie Alleman to the sky. So do, have you gotten any news, any update on Julie Alleman when she'll be in camp? Um, and, and what do you think the rotation will look like once she does come in? I really, I've been trying to think about it and I don't know what the easiest answer is for that last part of it, man. Like how they're going to work in Dana, Julie, Rebecca, Ali, and Sloot. I mean, I think they don't want to play Sloot too, too much because she is managing that right foot injury. And, but at the same time, Julie is such a good player and you know she's not going to be the 11th person on your bench <laughs> she's too good for that but she is still playing in the champion like she's i forget it, the exact league i was trying to look it up to try and make sure that i got this right for the podcast and i didn't want to put anything out there that was false but she is playing in a championship right now 
I think it's either in France or Spain. And she, I think they had their last game, one of their, um, they had a game yesterday. And so she's coming soon, essentially. I think she'll probably be back by, so what's the date today? If it's June 1st, I do think that she probably comes back in the next like 10 days at least. And when she's finishing up over there, one of my favorite facts that I actually haven't put out on the podcast or in any of my articles is that this guy, James Wade has a group chat with just his point guards. And because he says like, I, I have to trust them. They're the people that guide my offense. And Julie has been included in that. She's eager to get here. And it's going to be interesting to see how they integrate her though, because there's just so many mouths to feed Chris and having a lot of depth is great, but making sure that everybody feels like they're being utilized too is important, but thank God that's not our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, man, um, as I, I brought it up from time to time here on the podcast, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm just talking about myself, but as, as uh, coaching roller derby, coaching women's roller derby, it seems like the most important thing rather than any X's and O's rather than any, you know, in roller derby, knowing when to call off the jam, knowing when to get players in and out, knowing when to take timeouts. The most important thing over the season is managing everybody's um, ego and expectations, everybody's mindset. And so that is, I think more than ever what James Wade and his coaching staff are faced with because you have professional players in a time of, of relative change, transition for the league in terms of the CBA and what people are talking about. And you have a team with so much talent, as we've talked about, so you have to manage those players' expectations of what minutes they're going to get from night to night, how things are going to look moving forward. And once the season starts to wind down towards the postseason, what things are going to look like then. We talk about Ruthie so much about how she needs more time and she's getting more time when there's uh, time available in a situation like this where Azaray Stevens was not available. So when Julie Alleman comes in, that's another piece that's going to have to be inserted. So you want to utilize Rebecca, you want to utilize Dana, uh, you want to utilize Ruthie, which is part of that bench that we've talked about early in the, early in the show before on the other podcast episodes, you know, how does that change? How do you manage expectations for what's, for who's now a third year player who's shown that they can hang in this league? Uh, I, I know a key on Ruthie just because we love her so much, what she does, um, how good she is as a rebounder. Um, she had a nice putback yesterday on a play where she was moving to the exact right spot. She's always in the right spot, I think, is one of the things about Ruthie. And you can say that about nearly everybody on the team. They're always in the right spot. So when you have players like that who you could mix and match to create a starting five in so many different combinations – what do you say when one of them gets two minutes a night and then maybe 12 minutes the next night? That's the toughest part about coaching before anything else. Absolutely. And one of the things that I was thinking about is, okay, if Courtney is managing this injury and the sky have another stretch where they play like three games in the span of like what, eight days or whatever it is, like that's a lot of basketball and all the prep that goes into it. I wonder if Courtney Vandersloot will get some time off Potentially, I know you. When you tell Courtney Vandersloot to take time off, she'll probably tell you to, you know, fuck off. Uh, probably not. Those but what Diana words. said to the ref, whatever it was, whatever she said to the ref, it'll be something like that. There you go. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do see. I could anticipate like 
I wouldn't be surprised, I should say, that Courtney would get some time off every now and then because Julie is so capable of running the offense and Dana has looked fantastic. And we've already seen, like, against Minnesota, like, she had negative plus minus and the sky were still able to win. And I, I didn't, I couldn't find the exact stat on the cross timeline, but there was very few games, which Courtney Vandersloop finishes with a negative plus minus and the sky end up winning a game and they won that game handily. So a part of me does think that while Sloot is impossible to replace, there's no outright replacement for Courtney, especially what, again, like we talked about, especially in the fourth quarter when they've, looked for a closer and she just takes over and realizes she needs to be the one to lead the charge there. I do think that they could benefit from giving her some time off and letting Julie or Dana run the show a little bit. And to your point from the third to the 12th of June, they have five games and I believe three of those are on the road as I'm checking here. Yeah. Three of those games are on the road. So one only one of those games is against the team that might be an easy one, uh, the, uh, the 12th against the Liberty in New York. But you're right, that might be a time where Dana takes the majority of the point guard minutes, or when Julie comes in, she takes the majority of the point guard minutes. Yeah, the the load management question comes up for for Courtney, for Candace, even for Allie. Though I think he's gonna want to try and play Allie uh, the same amount just so she can get that shooting rhythm because that's been the, the tough part for her in the early going of the season. But yeah, James, it's a lot to look forward to over the next month, month and a half. Man, it, the all-star break, which is going to be, <laughs> I think I've, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but there's going to be a lot of five, nine dudes out there trying to get chose on Sir Mac road, trying <laughs> to get, trying to get, uh, trying to get picked up literally and figuratively. <laughs> oh my God, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It is true. You're going to see a lot of cats out there in church suits trying to preen, most definitely. And I, I will not shy away from that fact. <laughs> let's move into let's do you agree with Kalia, though? Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I got a feeling this one's going to be good, too, now. Well, we had a lot of we had a lot of good ones to choose from. Uh, I liked one where she said you need to take Dana Kiana out my phone talking about Dana Evans, <laughs> which led me to wonder if um, if either of us was friends with Dana, would she be the friend who's texting you constantly? But we'll we'll maybe ask that at a press conference. So <laughs> going back to May 5th, Kalia Copper said the small things done consistently are the big things. So there's a testament there to practice and um and attention to detail so i want to give it to you first as a writer um as a journalist what do you think about that you need to have small wins every day in some fashion and work ethic is the thing that trumps talent every single time and when you are able to elevate yourself in that way and just again the small things man it's always going to be the small things that lead to the big thing and i, I love that quote from ka i mean it kind of sums up who she is, you know, someone that yeah. is just known for her work ethic and just kept working and working and working until she became a WNBA all-star and then a finals MVP. And then now a super max player. I mean, she's like the example of small wins amounting to a big one. So yeah, personally, like if I'm not working or like doing something that like 
I'm not like, I don't know what that doesn't involve my preparation for basketball. I'm like, okay, am I doing right now? Is it valuable enough to not be doing that? And some of the times it's like, yeah, man, you need to take a break. There are other times where it's like, you know what? No, like put down this book about the history of baseball. Like the other thing is way more important right now. And it's those small victories, whether it's just like moving your attention elsewhere or like just physically checking off a box. Those that's what gets you to the place where you want to go. So I definitely agree with Kyle on that one. How about you? It's hard to disagree. Most definitely. Uh, the, the small things, I think the, the small details are something that I haven't necessarily been good at over, over my period over my life. I think that's part of the reason that I stopped writing is because I was looking for the break, the break, the break, and you've got to keep going with the little things. This, like you said, the small wins, the victories that you do get. And something, sometimes other things just trump those. That's what happened for me. But I think she's right on, not just in a basketball sense, not just in a capitalist work sense, but just the small things. I do try to remember the days like today when it's sunny, the days when it rains, what all of the things that that means. You know, rain means better weather, more brightness, more beauty around. Sun means the time to be outside and enjoy that particular beauty. So I think that as, as along with that, being able to keep those things in mind and also do the small things every day and remember them, that can give less weight to the big things that happen. I, I think I might be going a little sideways on it, but I agree. Let's just say that much. I agree. I did find one more that we can get into. <laughs> um, just before that, I probably should have led with this one. She said 2%, meaning 2% battery power, and I don't give a fuck. Scrolling down the TL. So do <laughs> 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 you hit that power saver button when the battery gets low and you stay on and you stay on Twitter, or do you put your phone in your pocket and make sure to turn the screen off so it'll last as long as possible? Dude, when I'm at 1%, I keep scrolling. I'll let that thing die. You know, that's why my phone freaking sucks now. This thing is just so old and is uh it does not love me back. It does not love me back. So yeah, I'll I'll run that thing into the ground, unfortunately, for my phone. How about you? <laughs> I will put the phone down. I'll put the phone in my pocket because I'll catch myself about to keep scrolling and I'm like, nah. You got to back off of that. Uh, also, it's a handy excuse for me because when my phone gets to like nine or ten percent, I'll maybe check it for something else. But then I can be like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't pick up the phone. My battery's low. If if I picked up the, if I answered your call, it would it would have um, it would have died. So I get some free time. I get some me time. Yeah, no, that's important, man. And I'll let my phone just die so that I'll just. Because I go, I go on walks every day and there's just times where like, you know, I usually go on them at like 6 a.m. And I'll just sometimes just instead of bringing music with me, I'll just leave my phone, go on my 20 minute walk without any distractions, distractions and just enjoy walking past Wrigley Field every day. You know, like that's just uh, a dream, you know, so like, yeah, sometimes you just got to be away from the phone, man. Can't emphasize that enough. Um but yeah, Chris, also, I also yeah. love walking past Wrigley Field. <laughs> God, one of these days we'll do a Cubs versus Sox segment. Um, 
you know, we're not promoting men's sports on here, but you know, <laughs> it's been the tension has been building, Chris, between you and me, clearly. So no. um, <laughs> but um hey man, I gotta jump out here, but I'm so glad we got a chance to talk about the sky in the last two games because they've been just so fun to be at. You were at the that Aces game, weren't you? I was. Yeah. I mean, like just seeing being back at Wintrust and seeing those two, like the Aces and Mercury just go at it with the sky. I mean, like it's just been so fun to cover this team already this season, even though, you know, there's been a couple of bumps in the road. It's just, it's great, man. We're back. We're freaking back, Chris. Back in the swing of things, man. It's been fantastic. Can't wait for more. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. If you could help us out and rate and review our show wherever you get your podcast, that would be such a great help to us. And subscribe to it if you have the opportunity to. And if you want to reach out to us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. And if you want to find our information for social media, you can find it in the episode description. And yeah, and if you want to also support the show, you can Venmo us at the Skyhook Podcast. Really, thank you so much for joining us and until next time.